brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledgen Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And this is going to be a weird one because I after I give you this brief introduction, I'm going to fuck off. <laughs> um, so myself and Christian, two-thirds of the Podsman, as you've come to know and love on our various and sundry wrestling reviews, uh, we did WrestleMania 37 by ourselves because Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey was not able to join the podcast and sometimes that happens one or one or the other guy can't make it to a thing he had agreed to be on because life gets in the way we are all middle-aged adult men with families shit happens and we move on the schedule stops for no man uh with that being said in this particular instance it being wrestlemania and all chris bailey was not one to sit on the sidelines and be benched he was not going to miss out on his opportunity to share his thoughts on WrestleMania 37. So this is the first ever Rattledgen Broadcasting Network addendum to a previously recorded podcast. Uh, what you're about to hear is the audio that Chris Bailey sent me of him doing a, what ostensibly was, a solo podcast of him... Reviewing WrestleMania 37, Nights 1 and 2. So without further ado, because I'm sure you've already had enough of me, here he is, folks, from the Superblog team-up and the Superhero Satellite podcast right here on the W2M network. Here is Chris Bailey reviewing WrestleMania 37. Well, 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 it's TV party tonight. Well, I guess the... The, the second follow-up effort, anyway. 
Uh, hey, my name is Chris Bailey, a.k.a. Charlton here on Twitter. Uh, just following up the incredible coverage by uh, Mark and Chris with their coverage of WrestleMania 37, Nights 1 and 2. A really great time, so if you haven't heard that, I'd urge everybody to shut this particular recording off, head over to the W2M Network and listen to TV Party Tonight with the coverage of not only WrestleMania 37, Nights 1 and 2, but a little... Um, Hall of Fame coverage there as well, so I unfortunately was originally slated to join the boys, but uh, work happened to come out of nowhere all of a sudden, and I had to sit in the boardroom all day long, but I am here to fulfill my commitments and talk about WrestleMania 37, night one and two, and boy do we have a, a uh, you know, a show to talk about, uh, two nights of wrestling action, and um, the entire week, I mean, starting with Raw, just an incredible onslaught of, of wrestling shows. So if you watched everything, like I did, and of course, now we're going to talk about it. So, you know, it was a lot of wrestling to take in. There's a lot of ups, a lot of downs. We had, you know, we started the week out with Raw, which was a pretty uneventful Raw. I mean, you had a lot of a lot of good go-home promos and different things to build to the stage, but nothing, you know, over the top. Nothing that would make me want to lay down, you know, back in the day, 60 to $80, depending on where you were for a pay-per-view. But, you know, it did its job. It, it, it just stayed the course. It didn't do nothing outside of the box and landed us, you know, nice and snug with some decent little video packages to, uh, to build to Mania, and it's, it did its job, I guess. Then we rolled into the Hall of Fame which they actually covered the 2020 uh, Hall, of, Hall of Fame class and 2021. So you had two sets of inductee classes, I mean, and in a, in a condensed form. So if, you're, if you watched the Hall of Fame in the past, and I've actually attended one, you would know that these things got a little bit long-winded. So when it came to the Hall of Fame ceremony itself, and I'm not going to get into any detail, you can listen to Chris and, uh, Chris and Mark's coverage of it, but what I will say, a few of the highlights were, or some of the lowlights, including the uh, the return of the Bellas to <laughs> to a uh, a chorus of boos, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, you know, even even though um, I mean, when they came out on the main stage, I should say, when they talked about the Hall of Fame inductees, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, I mean, you talk about the Hall of Fame itself. You know, and I, I said everything was you know a little bit long-winded. You know, people get a little, little bit long in the tooth. Well, this thing was condensed, concise, and I think it made a lot more sense with the format. And despite not having a live crowd, may have actually, you know, contributed to the success of this thing because, you know, we got right to the point. We had our video package, a very nice, concise speech from all the, um, all the inductees, and we were in and out, and we were, you know, we were home at a sensible time. We could actually go to bed. So that was that was pretty good. And I think that's the theme of the entire weekend is that we got our wrestling. Instead of one 12-hour marathon show, we got it in nice, concise little chunks. And I think that helped the overall product. Um, now, I did feel that NXT, you know, probably should not have been two nights. But I'm not one to complain about two nights worth of wrestling. So I took every single thing that they gave me starting with Raw, right into Hall of Fame, NXT Nights 1 and 2, headed into Friday with the good old Andre the Giant Battle Royal as the lead, and into WrestleMania Nights 1 and 2, and I took it all in. And man, I loved it all. I loved everything. Of course, I'm going to have my comments about what I did like and what I didn't like, but uh, 
Overall, I, I enjoyed my, uh, my wrestling week, we'll call it. But anyway, we're here to talk about WrestleMania 37, nights one and two. So we're going to start out with what I think was probably one of the most snake-bit WrestleManias in the history of the company. I mean, this thing, uh, you know, rarely... He's tried to get out of the gate so many times, and it, it just looked like the gods were holding this thing back from happening. But, you know, storms be damned, this thing went ahead. And it was funny because, you know, when you start the show, and the first thing you see are the announcers, and they're pretty well with their heads down, and they're about to make an important announcement, you didn't know if the thing was going to be cancelled or what was happening. But I saw earlier in the day some videos of fans saying that the storms had evacuated the building a couple times. So, you know, when you live in Florida, you know that, you know, storms are a part of the culture down there and thunder showers come and go randomly, could happen, you know, could go on for five minutes or, you know, a half hour to all day. You don't know what's going to hit you. And, of course, when you have an open stadium, these are the games that you may run into. So, WrestleMania was, uh, was no exception. So, thunder, lightning, rain, you had it all, evacuations happening. Basically, when people were filing into the building, they had to take them out again. But this caused a little bit of havoc, and you know what? It was it was that little bit of fun and energy, and, you know, will this thing finally get off the ground? Will we have WWE with no fans? And that excitement and adrenaline really actually added to my excitement on night one. We're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And you see these guys, and they're running around in the background, and they're doing impromptu interviews, and we can talk about how great or bad they were. Uh, you know, we had Drew backstage, and he was, you know, just full of emotion. He was stumbling over his words, but it was real. And I know Chris and Mark criticized uh, Drew for stumbling over his words and Lashley. And, you know, he had, you know, some pull-aparts in the back, and you had all kinds of things happening. But it was unscripted, and it was raw, and it was fun. And so, I mean, you know, when it, when it comes to actual, you know, organic-feeling backstage stuff I really dug all this stuff and it just gave me you know just a thought in my mind man is this really really going to go off or are we going to have to close down Wrestlemania halfway through you truly didn't know like were the matches going to be stopped were they going to do evacuations that was part of the entire thing and you know that energy on night one was was I mean palatable you could you could feel it in the air that nobody knew exactly how this thing was going to go and I loved it well we finally did get underway, and we started the entire show with the heavyweight championship. It was actually Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre for the champions, for the heavyweight championship. Right away, match number one, jerking the curtain. You had Drew McIntyre finally, finally coming out. And, you know, this was, this was his night. It's his night to be crowned. And, you know, get that big win over Bobby Lashley. And, you know, I think that everybody thought it would be just crazy not to put Drew McIntyre over. Because, you know, Drew, if you follow the history of, you know, COVID-era wrestling, Drew was crowned the champion in the era when there were no fans. So he never really got anointed as a true champion. He was just this, you know, he never really got the acceptance as a champion. Not from me, not from, you know, a lot of the folks that I chat with. I know Chris Sheen loves Drew, but even he knows that, you know, he never really got that, that approval, that nod as a champion. He was like the COVID-era transitional champion. And I think the entire purpose when I, when I seen him lose the championship uh, to The Miz was that, 
you know, that it was not going to be any any more time go by, and he was going to re, you know recapture that thing at WrestleMania and finally be crowned champion in front of a live, energetic crowd. And I think that's what we all thought going in, and out came Bobby Lashley. And uh, one thing of it that I found funny about Lashley was he's still wearing the Hurt Business attire, despite the Hurt Business being broken up, which I thought was you know a little bit funny. So the guy's wearing tights. And they tried their level best to take business off his off his tights. So he had hurt, and business was still on the leg of his his pants that he was wearing. But it looked like they had, you know, picked the letters off or something. So it looked like hurts or something. I don't I don't know what it said. Anyway, we had a rough and tumble match, and you know what? If you had to follow the flow and psychology of the thing, you would have thought absolutely that Drew was going to win this thing. Then he gets distracted by MVP. He ends up in the hurt lock, and he passes out. Bobby Lashley walks away night one at WrestleMania as the champion. And, man, I, I was absolutely blown away. I, I truly couldn't believe what I saw. I mean, who would have thought that Bobby Lashley would have been, you know, the, the champion here? And it was just absolutely crazy when you, when you think about it. But anyway, it, it did happen. So Bobby Lashley, uh, you know, made sure that Drew McIntyre did not get that win, and it's just a just an absolute shock out of nowhere. So I was all in for that. Uh, then you had the women's, uh, I guess, multi-tag team match, and uh, you know, you, you had a lot of the teams there. You had some makeshift teams uh, put in there, but you had some of the core. So you know, you had your Riot Squad. You had, um, let me see, who else did we have? We had Lana. <laughs> I mean, poor Lana. I mean, she, she goes for a kick in this particular match, and it's just, you know, uh, <laughs> it's it's really bad to watch. And um, uh, who else did we have here? Like I said, we mentioned Riot Squad. We mentioned Tamina and Natalia. Um, we had Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. I mean, we had all the, you know, all the players. Now, this match in particular, not my favorite affair overall. And your winners, shockingly, were Natalia and Tamina. I mean, if, if you're writing this story, are you writing that these two ladies go over? Tamina had a shocking amount of Tamina chance going on here. So, you know, Tamina and Natalia get the, uh, get the title shot. And they head into WrestleMania Night 2 to uh, take on uh, Jackson Baszler. So, wow, a little bit of an upset there. A little bit of a shocker. But then, probably the shocker of the night, and I want to talk about this. Miz and Morrison took on Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. Now, I have criticized this over and over. Several swear words have come out of my mouth with Bad Bunny. I am not a fan of celebrity involvement, especially when it comes at the, the mercy of some of their talent they got. And I didn't want to see Miz and Morrison just get jobbed out to a stupid rapper. I mean... I did not want to see it. I was not a huge fan of Damian Priest back in NXT, and I was just concerned overall. I was, you know, rolling my eyes when I saw that this match was starting. Then the match started, and it was more than, you know, I, I ever thought I wanted, to be quite honest with you. Now, it started out on a very, very, very big low. So you had a bunch of bunnies hopping to the ring. It was just guys in suits and large white bunny suits and ears, and they're hopping to the ring. Miz and Morrison come out, 
And as all the bunnies are filing into the ring, they're rapping their way down with their hey, hey, hop, hop, hop song, which is horrible. The lip syncing is just a complete disaster. They're talking over the lip sync. They're out of sync. Uh, the bunnies are getting in the ring. Their ears are falling off. I mean, you got you know several of the bunnies trying to keep their keep their heads on as they jump. It was just it, it seemed like it was off to you know just be an absolute shit show. <laughs> in all honesty. And then you get Damien Priest comes to the ring. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, okay, you know, I'm just going to spend a few minutes and hopefully we can get through this this disaster of a uh, of a show. And then you get Bad Bunny. And you see him, and he's coming to the ring on Becky Lynch's transport truck that she came to the ring on one WrestleMania. And suddenly the mood changes. This is a pretty damn cool entrance. And, I mean, I think it caught the fans off guard, too. And Bad Bunny comes in. He looks cool. He's on the back of this tractor trailer, and they come right into the arena. He gets down. He gets into the ring. And then the match begins. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not one for celebrity involvement, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, wrestlers having to sell for celebrities. I hate it. You know, in the annals of history, I mean, you got, you know, Floyd Mayweather against, uh, you know, the big show. You got LT versus Bam Bam. All this crap. And you go through the, you know, the history of celebrity. You had Snooki and poor old John Morrison always seems to find his way into celebrity shit shows. But guess what? This thing wasn't bad. The spectacle of it was not bad. And I know that the boys pronounced the Canadian Destroyer dead, and I absolutely agree. But Bad Bunny sold the show. And I think it was funny because I think it was Damien Priest's time to shine. And, you know, with his buddy, Bad Bunny, you know, to get over Miz and Morrison. But it was the Bad Bunny show. I mean, this guy showed, you know, I mean, I would say respectable. I'm not going to, you know, super praise him that he's ready for, you know, five stars. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Tokyo Dome, not a chance in hell was that this case. But he was more than serviceable, and these fans were super into it, and I was into it. 
I, I literally couldn't believe it. And, you know, give give um, all credit to Miz and Morrison. I mean, the king of soft style himself, you know, Mike Mizanin, he was, uh, he was selling like crazy. You had, um, I mean, you just had the guys and they were selling every single move very crisply. And Bad Bunny and Damian Priest go over. And, man, the fans were incredibly into it. I was shocked. So, I mean, you know, he, he looked serviceable in the ring. There was, you know, he didn't embarrass himself. You got the Bunny Destroyer, like I said. Poor old John Morrison had to sell the Bunny Destroyer. And, man, it was okay. So, I mean, right out of the gate, you got a heavyweight championship. You got a serviceable women's match. Bad Bunny, you know, just blew the roof off the place. Like, incredible. Then we moved into Worn Out Leather. Now, I know the guys were really high on the Raw Tag Team Championship match. So you had the New Day, your boys. They took on AJ Styles and Omos. Omos. This guy has, hasn't been in the ring yet. So if you don't know who Omos is, he's AJ Styles' extremely large African-American bodyguard. He's big, he's tall, he's got a shaved head. He is just an awesome sight. Now, the guy cannot wrestle a lick, so... Uh, or, we didn't really know at this point. You know, is this another great Kali? Is this, you know, another giant Silva? We had no idea what to expect. But they had the New Day, your boys. Not my boys, <laughs> but apparently Mark Radlich's, who seems to, uh, you know, j just love these guys, or at least one of them, anyway. And, you know, we had your trumpets come to the ring. You had all this stuff. But I, I was, I really didn't think too much of this match. The only thing that I really liked was that they held off. You really didn't know if they were ever going to tag Omas in. You know what I mean? Omas. So, I mean, you had no idea if the guy was actually going to be tagged in. New Day did such a great job of isolating and <laughs> making a point of saying that we are cutting the ring off excellently. Like, I mean, it was so funny how... Uh, how they were really, really going over the top with keeping AJ Styles isolated and not getting Omos a chance to tag in. And finally it happened. And yeah, you know what? Uh, it was not the prettiest thing in the world, but New Day did sell their total asses off. So Kofi Kingston was flip-flopping all over the place. It was an absolute murder scene when he got in there. He got that choke slam bomb that Kali did, but with a little bit more fluency, you could tell that the guy has almost zero talent. I mean, you could tell there's, you know, they really, really wanted to keep this guy, you know, from being a complete and utter embarrassment. They sort of did that. I was not into this match. I'm not even into the AJ Styles-Omos pairing. I don't really like the idea. I think AJ Styles could be doing something else. You know, I know he had the faction with the Good Brothers, you know, the, the, the club. And I really didn't think he found his way since this. But anyway, he walks away from WrestleMania as the brand new tag team champions as basically Omos chokeslams and pins New Day with one foot on him. And that was the that was the end of that. New Day no longer tag team champion, so that's one good thing. So I will say that I loved that end of business. Now, everybody knows that a WrestleMania is not complete unless you got Shane McMahon falling off some kind of structure, okay? So 
We know that Shane needs to climb on top of a cage. He needs to fall off a scaffold. He needs to go through some sort of protective barrier. And he's fighting Braun Strowman. Now, you might ask, now, why is Shane McMahon fighting Braun Strowman? The only thing I can come up with is that they needed some more depth on this particular card, so they pulled out the Shane card. The only thing that I don't like about this, the entire feud is just based on, like, about three weeks' worth of build, where Shane called Braun stupid. Yep, this is this is Edge and Booker T fighting over Shampoo at, at the Sky Dome again, folks. Absolutely pointless build, uh, pointless match, and Braun is defending against the bullies of the world. So <laughs> you've got this jacked up, mega muscular dude, who should be the bully, by the way. It should be Shane in the other, the opposite, the roles should be switched, but instead, nope. He's being bullied because he caught, he was called stupid, and by God, they are going to have a cage match over that. You know I me. Mean? <laughs> I don't know if there was uh, ever a cage match ever had or built on the basis that somebody called the other guy stupid. But anyway, we are here. Uh, someone got called stupid, and we are inside a steel cage. We got Shane McMahon. We got Braun Strowman finally not wearing that stupid green shirt that they put him in and, you know, trying to make him look like a member of the Truth Commission. I have no idea. There's a lot of Truth Commissions going around. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. You got a lot of people that are looking very Truth Commission-y in the WWE right now. But either way, I digress. So typical, very, very typical um, cage match. You had Shane doing his phantom punches, you know, his... Uh, is coast to coast off the ropes. He, you know, he did hit all these spots and it was pretty, you know, pretty, what you would expect from a Shane McMahon match up front. Now, one of the things Shane gets almost literally quarter of the way down on the other side of the cage. So it looks like he's about to, you know, literally end the match and win when Strowman jumps up on the cage. Now, this is a bit of a unique spot. And as Shane is on the way down, he pulls his hand through the cage. So he's got his hand pulling him back in. Now, everybody expects the spot where, you know, you pull the guy back up through the cage, you pull him in, and, you know, they have a big move off the top. Not what happened here. So they actually had a unique spot here where they, where Braun reaches the cage, he touches the metal mesh, and he actually breaks it on one side, and he pulls Shane through the cage back into the match. And this is where we get the Shane McMahon sick bump. So from the top of the cage, he does a flipping back bump. And that's it. The ring does not give away. He doesn't land on crash pads. There's nothing exploding. He doesn't fall through glass. He does a back bump. Strowman gets in the ring. He jumps down. He delivers the power slam. And the match is over. And then Braun goes around saying, that one is for all the people who have ever been bullied. So there you go. If I guess if you've been bullied, you've, you know, uh, Braun has, uh, has done this uh, for, for everybody's sins. So, you know, <laughs> Christ is born today, I guess. I don't know what to say other than, wow, you know, uh, unique spot with the cage tearing, I guess. The bump was absolutely... You know, one of the safest things Shane McMahon has ever done. However, as as Chris and uh, Mark said, I, I would not be the guy who wanted to take that bump. 
I mean, you know, Shane always puts his life on the line. He gets criticized by being, you know, the son of the father. And, oh, my God, Shane McMahon only has his job because his daddy's the champion. But I think we're past that point now. I think that, you know, Shane has a little bit of respect, but I think he's past him right now. I think this is the last time we need to see Shane in a ring. Uh, the guy, I think he's he's like... He's like an overplumped tomato that at any point can just explode in your hand. Just because, man, that guy's blood pressure looks like it is through the roof. He's sweating all the time, and you know when you get sweat and blood pressure, you get. You remember when we saw the Ultimate Warrior back in the day when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame the next night on Raw? This guy looked like he was ready to explode. That looks like what Shane McMahon is every single day. So anyway, Braun Strowman is your winner, and he has defended against the bullies. So there you go. Next, this was a absolutely, unbelievably, ridiculously good match. Anyone who knows me knows that I cannot stand Seth Rollins. You can judge me all you want. I don't like the guy. I think his promos are nasally, and he talks like this. I just, it, it's grinding. It's nails on the chalkboard. Go away, heat. Can't stand it. Cesaro just this guy who is a great worker you know I, I've seen him as um, Antonio in uh, ROH he was fantastic you know what I mean really really good worker but I mean he's a, he was a middle of the card type of guy and since he's been Cesaro over in WWE and NXT and all that type of stuff they've never ever let the guy get off the ground they gave him a great run you know uh, with Sheamus there in the tag team as the bar that was you know his high point I would say since he's been in the uh, WWE now, he's fighting in a breakout match against Seth Rollins. Now, if you know Seth Rollins, he always seems to sneak these wins, and this didn't seem like it was going to be any exception. Now, the fans, they always, anyway, whenever you see Cesaro, the fans always seem to be behind him. They love the swing. They love the spinning corkscrew uppercut, all his tricks. You know what I mean? You get to see all that type of stuff. And they love it, but I don't think anybody really, really thought 100% that it would, they were confident Cesaro was going to pull this thing off. And I'm glad they did, because when it comes to Seth Rollins' matches, I think Rollins did his absolute level best to put the guy, put the Swiss Cyborg over. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. This match was crazy. Cesaro even broke out the move called the UFO. Now, if you haven't seen the UFO, I'm going to describe this thing to you. So picture the, the, the torture rack that Lex Luger does. He puts the guy on his shoulder, and, you know, he's ranking him down. He's got a hold of his neck and his legs, and he's buckling this guy. So picture he puts Seth Rollins up in basically the torture rack position, but then he puts his arms down. So Rollins is basically sitting on his neck, and then he spins and spins and spins and spins, and then he releases him in midair, and he goes sailing. It's called the UFO. It is an absolutely crazy move, and you got to check that thing out. But, uh, man, Cesaro puts Rollins to bed here. He finishes the guy. It's unbelievable. And the fans just explode. I was just absolutely shocked just absolutely shocked and uh you know you could see the emotion not only from the fans i mean they, they had a one of those you know the crowd shots where you see remember when undertaker uh lost to brock lesnar and you had you know those iconic crowd shots where everybody's just jaw dropped and can't believe it shaking their head same thing but you could see just joy 
in the eyes of the fans when it came to this win. And I mean, Cesaro deserved it. I can't think of a better guy to push. And I just hope, hope and pray that the WWE puts, you know, puts some steam behind this because I really, really, really thought this was great. Then we move on to the main event. And the main event features the ladies. So you got Sasha Banks taking on Bianca Belair. And this has been, you can say what you want about the build. Um, you know, they, they did all the bells and whistles. They did all the tricks. You know, they put them in a tag team. They had dissension in the tag team. They pointed to the sign. They interfered in each other's matches. They brawled. They, you name it, they did it. Textbook build on this one. Um, you could sense the emotion in the air, especially when this one began. Uh, Bianca, you know, when they were doing the announcements, tears were running down her face. They had her family at ringside. I don't think the ending, for me, was in question. But, man, you know, I, I just think that they, they tore the house down. It was one of these things where, you know, it, it was just WWE finally delivered on, on a main event and gave us exactly the ending we should have gotten for WrestleMania night one. You had a successful match. I think the fans were super into it. You had a couple crazy spots. So there's one spot in particular where Bianca Belair took that amazingly long ponytail that she wears. And she slashes Sasha Banks on the, looked like the front of the stomach and just absolutely opened a gash on her. And it, it was hideous. But, I mean, these, these ladies hit all their spots. Um, there was nothing embarrassing here. Um, you know, you, you, I mean, there was a couple, couple weak spots where, you know, they were a little bit loose in the moves. But uh, there was nothing that I, I could point to and say it was embarrassing. I think this was main event win. You had Bianca Belair pull off her move and finish the match. Uh, you know, resoundingly won that, that women's championship. Uh, her family were overjoyed. I mean, her dad almost jumped over the rail. And, I mean, the fireworks went off, the pyro. Everyone went home happy. Night one in the bag. And, man, you know, you saw you, we went off the air with Bianca celebrating with her family, and that's exactly what you wanted. Oh, boy, night two. Where do we begin? Well... We started out of the gate with another match that they've been promoting all over the place. Randy Orton versus The Fiend. And I don't think anybody in their right mind could expect what we're about to get here. We had The Viper. He came to the ring with his music and, you know, looking great. He had new white trunks. And, you know, you know when you get an upgrade at WrestleMania, you know that either you're going to get a push... Or, you know, they, they've got plans for you. You may be coming out of the ring, and this was, was no different. However, the Fiend portion of the match was very different. So, Alexa Bliss comes down. You know, she's got a great new WrestleMania upgrade, new gear, the whole nine yards. There is a box-like structure. <laughs> yes, that's what it was called. A large jack-in-the-box set at ringside. And picture this. Alexa Bliss had to crank the box... And then the fiend popped out. You know, the fiend is wearing brand new gear as well, so everybody got the upgrade here. And this this whole build has been going on forever since Orton burned the fiend. They've been building this. You know, Firefly Flunhouse after you know segment after segment of Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton on Raw, setting each other on fire, throwing fireballs, bleeding from the mouth. You name it, they did it. I mean, this was Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior. You know, on steroids. Pardon the. However, it didn't deliver. 
they had all this build, and I mean, they have archives, footage, after footage, after, you know, they could have went on with, with just the, you know, the, the video package for this damn thing, and it would have took forever. They could have had three hours worth of content of just Fiend Orton stuff. And then we deliver this match, which was a very, when I say basic Fiend match, it was super basic. These guys were never got out of second gear. The match ended Randy Orton actually got the win here. And here's how it happened. So suddenly in the middle of the match, Alexa Bliss is seen on top of the Jack in the Box in like an Indian sitting style. Not, not to make any judgment calls, that's what it's called crossed legs and she's staring in the ring and all of a sudden she has this black viscous liquid falling all over her face very demonic looking very evil distracts lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Fiend, bang, RKO, Randy Orton wins. And then the lights go out. Now, if you're a wrestling fan, you are trained to know that something just went down here. Something happened between The Fiend and Alexa. We don't know what it is. The lights are out. We're going to have this big revelation. Who's going to show up? What's going to happen? The lights come back on, and we get nothing. Not a thing. Zero. The ring is empty, and the fans boo the living shit out of this whole ordeal. It was not cool. Not cool. I don't even know what to say. I mean, if that's the blow-off for this match, which maybe Orton's finally out of the mix, thank God for him. But now we got this whole side story of what's going on with Alexa, and we will find out a little bit more on Raw the next night that now Alexa feels that she's probably evolved past the Fiend and is now more powerful. I don't know how I feel about this. But anyway, Alexa Bliss was bleeding the black liquid. Distraction. Orton hits the RKO. One, two, three... Randy Orton got another WrestleMania win. Man, don't even know what to say. Then we went backstage, and I didn't mention this on night one. We had Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil as your hosts. And these guys were not received well. Now, Titus, and I want to talk about this because I think this was a good point. I think Mark and Chris talked about the one of the superstars that is completely wasted in the WWE is Titus O'Neil. Titus is that guy who... He's jacked. He's just a great person. I mean, he's involved in everything promotional-wise for WWE. Uh, you know what I mean? He does charity work. He does promotional work for them. He's all over the place with everything outside of being inside the ring. <coughs> Which is very strange because he has all the components of a, of a fantastic superstar, someone who deserves a push. 
And when you think about the people that are pushed, Titus is like miles ahead of these people. It doesn't make sense. He's a great human being. They've established that. He's affable. The fans dig him every time he's out there, and they give this guy, you know, the fans no reason to push him. He came out, and he got a pretty decent ovation. He's in his home, you know, his home town here and all that stuff, and people are, you know, they're, they're into him. And then Hogan comes out, and nobody's forgiven Hogan, and nobody even forgives what this whole deal is. So, as you know, Hulk Hogan has said some inflammatory things in the past. You know, you talk about race, and you talk about gender, you talk about it all. Hogan has said it and done it. So he's burned a super big bridge, and this is pretty clear what this is. This is trying to frame Hogan back as, you know, the guy, you know, to get him into back into good graces. So they're going to pair him up with Titus O'Neil, who happens to be black, which is, you know, the, the particular race that Hogan said inflammatory stuff about. So now they're going to present him as this lovable, affable Hulk Hogan. He's back, and by God, he's, you know, he's representing, he's with the black community, etc., etc. And the fans were having none of it. No, sir, they booed the Hulkster's ass. You ever seen one of those matches where, you know, you have a heel and a face, and the fans are completely behind one wrestler and not for another one? CM Punk and John Cena. So CM Punk goes to do a move. The crowd goes absolutely batshit crazy. John Cena does a move. The crowd boos. This was Titus Hogan. boo yay, boo yay, boo yay. We could not wait to get these two idiots off the screen. They were in a backstage segment here. And, uh, you know, they were chatting up about Bianca Belair and in walks Bailey. Now, Bailey is another person who was shafted in this whole ordeal. The only thing that she does is a couple uh, ding-dong hello, which is hilarious, by the way. I do love that segment. And uh, Eric Bischoff was there. So they had this little cute little backstage, you know, backstage segment where they did the thing and they were in and out. And it was, uh, it was res I would like to call it respectable, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was an embarrassment. This whole idea of having a host at WrestleMania has to go away. I didn't like it. I didn't even like it when The Rock did it. I didn't like it when, you know, you had Stone Cold come out. You had Hogan. You had The Rock. I, I don't like any of that stuff. So let, let's do away with that. Let's call this what it is, and hopefully this is the last time we'll see it, although I doubt it at all. Raw Women's Tag Team Title Match. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, against the winners of the Women's, the women's uh, Mixed Tag, or not Mixed Tag, the, uh, the multi-women tag team match from uh, night one. Natalia and Tamina are going to try to wrestle away the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles from Jax and Baszler. And this was okay. This was one of the few matches that I was okay with because I was fascinated. Were they finally going to anoint Natalia? This, you know, these are two two workers. Now, Tamina, I can't really say much about her. For some reason, the fans were into her. They, they wanted the, you know, the daughter of the Superfly to succeed. And they were into Tamina. You had Tamina chants all over the place. She got to do her superfly type, or, you know, at least got to go to the top rope and do it, uh, which she can't, by the way. I like how Chris pointed out on the podcast before that uh, someone needs to show Tamina how to do the superfly. <laughs> uh, so picture it. So picture her dad, superfly Jimmy Snuka. This guy would get to the top rope. He would stand there. He had great balance. He would pop the fingers up in the air. I love you. He'd shoot the I love you symbols. And then he would spring off, and it seemed like he would you know, just float in the air, just float up there. He would get a lot of hang time, and he'd crush his opponent with the Superfly Smash. 
Tamina, it's like she has, you know, 300 pounds of weight tied to her. And when she jumps, she falls directly downwards. <laughs> Gravity takes over, and she crashes into the bat. And it's, it's almost Tommy Dreamer-like. But uh, it was uh, not meant to be in this particular match as, the, you know, the tag team champions. Um, the tag team champions, Baszler and Nia Jax, pull out the win. And it actually happens when, when um, Natalia is in the middle of the ring and she goes for a sharpshooter. And, um, and then Baszler is the legal woman. She comes in, applies the Carafuda clutch, and that's the end of the match. Natalia's arm goes limp, and all of a sudden, Natalia and Tamina are the losers. Jackson Baszler retain the tag team championship in 14 minutes. I mean, a decent match. You know what I mean? I mean, the length is probably a little much. I mean, you're talking 14 minutes. I don't think we really needed that. But the crowd seemed accepting of this match, which was really strange. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's really weird. So, you know, when it comes to this one, I, it gets a pass. So I, I guess it did its job. And it was, you know, think about it. You started the match with Orton versus The Fiend, something that they built. And I think the ladies, you know, over-delivered over Randy Orton. I mean, that's, that's sad to say. Speaking of sad. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. How many times have we seen this match? And I think this was what... I think everyone expected this one to be the show pony, the match that stuck out, you know, the, the dark horse match out of it all. You know, these guys are going to steal the show. I think we all thought that Kevin Owens was definitely going to jump off that pirate ship and do his, you know, his senton, the whole nine years. We were going to see it all here. And we got to see a basic... Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens match that wasn't even as good as their NXT matches, in all honesty. Uh, there was a lot less kickouts. It was more about the build. It was more about internet YouTube star Logan Paul at ringside, who Sami Zayn, who's doing a full-on conspiracy gimmick. The guy looks like the Cuban assassin. Right now, he's got the full beard going. He's in his green army fatigues. He thinks the world is against him. Everything's a conspiracy. Kevin Owens' buddy tried to talk him off the roof. He won't listen. So, by God, you know, to dispel all these conspiracies, Sami Zayn brought Logan Paul out, who's in a conspiracy of his own on YouTube. He's one of these conspiracy hunters himself. And they have a very, 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 very basic match. And, you know, you got to see several of their spots. I mean, you got to see, you know, a brain buster. You got to see the, the blue thunder bombs. You got to see all their classic moves. And, of course... Kevin Owens goes, you know, they do all the top rope moves. You get fisherman suplexes. You know, the up, these halluva kicks, everything, you name it. Then Kevin Owens gets the one, two, three. Finally, we get to see, you know, the, the big finish. And Kevin Owens is victorious. Logan Paul comes in the ring after the match. You know, Sami Zayn is defeated, goes to the outside. Kevin Owens dispatches him. He's out. Logan Paul is standing in the ring, and he's, like, you know, trying to celebrate with Kevin Owens, raises his hand, and you could tell Owens had that Steve Austin look in his eye. We're like, oh, we know what's going to happen, because if you don't know, and this is why I didn't mention it, Kevin Owens' finisher, or KO, is a stunner. Now, you know a wrestler who uses a stunner. If you're familiar with Steve Austin, everybody gets stunned. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity, if you're a rep, you're Linda McMahon, you're getting the stunner. And, of course, this was the spot where Logan Paul gets the stunner. And I don't think, <laughs> I think these fans wanted Logan Paul to get it, but 
just feels wrong with Kevin Owens doing this move. Like, it feels like a complete heist of a gimmick, if you ask me. I, I just don't like it. I don't like Kevin Owens playing Stone Cold. He's not Stone Cold. He's Kevin Owens. He doesn't need the stunner. And I think that really, really disheartens me. But, uh, you know, that being said, the fans liked seeing Logan Paul get stunned. And I think he did a great sell, to be honest with you. I don't think nobody talks about the sell. He did a great job of selling the shit out of this thing. So, you know what? If there's anything that was that was a, a win in this match, it was the that one, you know, 10-second clip that they're going to show forever in the day of Logan Paul getting stunned. And that is the, the only reason that this match existed were as Christian for making WrestleMania moments, and that's all this was built around. Speaking of moments... Riddle and his scooter is backstage, and they come up to the great Hali, great Kali and Rajin Singh, and they're congratulating him on, you know, congratulating great Kali in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, who comes up? RVD gets in the mix, also a Hall of Fame inductee. And, you know, you've got that, that connection, that chemistry between, you know, Riddle and RVD. And it was just an opportunity for RVD and, you know, the riddle to do their, whoa, bro, we're stoned, and the great Kali looks like he doesn't understand a word. And then RVD breaks out his new rolling papers <laughs> and wished him luck. RVD wished Riddle luck in his match against Sheamus. Uh, you know, I, I guess, fun little backstage. I don't know about you, but I was one of the guys who predicted Riddle to be one of these guys who was going to be elevated to a main event spot, maybe show up the night after Mania and defeat Brock Lesnar for the belt. Just, you know, just this badass guy because, I mean, the way he's presented here and the way he was done in NXT and his previous, you know, uh, uh, promotions that he wrestled in, he was a completely different wrestler. Now he's the bro and he rides a scooter and he's really just out of his mind. And he fights Sheamus here. And you know what? I was I was one. I, I'm not a Sheamus fan. I'm going to be the first to admit. Every time I see him, it's it's not a rush to the to the remote as much as some other people are, like Seth Rollins and other people along the lines. And and Roman Reigns is getting there for me. But you know, I'm I'm still one of these guys who got the hope that Riddle is actually going to deliver in that ring at some point. And this was one of those matches where it sort of happened. They had a decent little match. But the entire story of the match, it's a U.S. title match, by the way. Riddle is the U.S. champion. He's defending against Sheamus. Uh, Sheamus, no stranger to championships, tag team championships, heavyweight championship. He's had, you know, he's pretty well had the belts. So, you know, competent competitor here. So, I mean, you get a lot of different things. You got, you know, lots of kicks going on. You get, you know, handspring moves. You get Sheamus delivering, like, stiff knees. You get Alabama slams. All kinds of stuff going on in that ring. Then you get the finish. Holy cow. So, I want you to picture this. Sheamus lands the, the white noise, okay? Follows by a knee lift, and it's, he gets a near fall. Then, of course, Sheamus then kicks Riddle out of midair after he goes for a second rope springboard backflip. Kicks him right in the face, and not only does he kick him, he kicks him so hard... He busts up his mouth. Riddle is bleeding all over the place. And he gets the... Sheamus gets the one, two, three, and is the brand new U.S. champion. And what a spot this was. Wow. And I think these guys had better chemistry. And I think this was a match that nobody was really, really looking forward to. And I think these guys delivered. So I think this is one of the highlights in night two for me. I think, you know, 
I'm not a Seamus guy, and I'm becoming not a Riddle guy, but somehow this thing worked. It was hard-hitting. It was cool, and I, I dug it. Then we rolled into where the night goes off the rails. Big E versus Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum match. Now you might ask, Chris, what is a Nigerian drum match? Well, I am glad you asked. It is nothing more than hardcore rules with a bunch of dollar store painted drums on the outside of the ring, painted green in Nigerian green, and a large symbol. And that's these are the props you had on a couple of the Singapore canes for good measure. Big E is still doing the New Day stuff. So, I mean, he's half a Joe character. He was a little bit more serious here, thank God. He comes to the ring. They, You know, he wasn't riding a pony or throwing pancakes. And Apollo Crews comes out in this ridiculous... I, I just can't stand this Nigerian gimmick that they got on him right now. I know it's a a, um, a high-five to the Uta, uh, you know, Uha Nation gimmick that he had in NXT. But it's just... It doesn't work at all. They could change his accent. These guys you know, work their way around. They use all kinds of stuff. They hit each other with the large gong, for example, and created some noise. They beat each other up with the Singapore canes. They, you know, slammed each other into drums. They used the ring steps. You know, they, they did all the bells and the whistle that you normally do in a match. Big E gives Apollo Crews the big ending. This is supposed to be the end. Then a large mystery wrestler enters the ring, chokeslams Big E, puts Crews on top, and we have a brand new IC champion in seven minutes. Now, seven minutes felt like an eternity. But either way, we got another new champion. Now, you might ask, who is this mystery wrestler? Well, if you were a fan of Evolve, you would know a guy called Babatunde. That's who this guy is, a giant size, absolute beast of a wrestler, and you might know him as Daba, Daba Kato from you know, the two weeks of Raw Underground that we got. You know, this large, absolute large competitor. Now, he came out in one of the most ridiculous uniforms. I'm not sure if it's, this is supposed to be a soldier uniform for the Nigerian government or something. I have no idea what this is supposed to be. So if you know, please shout me out. He comes out in a band uniform. A band uniform. It looked like he just needed a drum and, you know, beat his way to the ring. He looked ridiculous. Anyway, he, you know, he was enough to put away Big E on this one. So, I mean, Apollo Crews, your brand new champion. And apparently, Big E, you know, I, I guess he's out of that scene. Where does he go from here? You know, is, does he go right back to the New Day crap again? I, I certainly hope not. But I guess the story here is Apollo Crews. Now he has his own Big Heavy, despite him being his own Big Heavy. So, I don't know. I'm not really sure what to think about this. Uh, not one of my favorite matches. Didn't like it at all. Not really sure. Anyway, we're going to head on to the Raw women's title match. Now, this thing should have been a classic. Should have been a great one. It wasn't. So you had the band, you know, New Year's Day, or the, the singer anyway, Ah Costello, and she performed Ripley's entrance theme. They had a ton of pyro. You know, he had, you had fire shooting up out of everywhere for Ripley's entrance. And you had her sing her way to the ring. The only problem with that was that the poor girl can't sing. She was talking about brutality the whole time. This is what the song was, like a real metal version, which you think would be great and very suited to Rhea Ripley. It sucked. Oh, my Lord. She was off key. Not only that, what was funny 
as bad as it was, and I don't think even the fans were receptive to it. I don't think they found it cool, and I think Rhea Ripley looked a little bit embarrassed, especially after she got in the ring. She's waiting for Asuka to come down. The music is still playing. It's like this woman wanted to play her entire track and had a B-side in there. It just it did not end. It was literally brutality. Anyway, I digress. Asuka came out to her regular entrance. Now, this was okay. Standard Asuka match, you know, you get your drop kicks, you know, and Ripley was starting to no-sell a bunch of stuff. So, you know, we were really putting over the fact that Ripley was not going to take anything. You had some body scissors. You had, you know, some, some back suplexes series of like two counts all over the place you know you really got to see that she was not going to take any shit from Asuka here so she was ready for Asuka then we get to the ending so Asuka goes for like goes for a two count then Asuka slaps in an armbar so Ripley is now just she's caught in the armbar and she goes to the corner for the break so Asuka applies it again you know it, try, it tries the another Asuka lock attempt now Ripley is twisted with her shoulders down for almost like a, like, almost like a near fall type of thing Asuka throws a bunch of kicks, you know, just kneeing Ripley's chest. And, you know, Ripley's like, come on, give me more. She encouraged more and then ducked Asuka's running knee. Then she hits the Riptide and a shitty one. I mean, the series at the end here was like uncoordinated. It looked like Ripley got lost. You could see that the confidence was, was, was not good. You know, the crowd was a little bit out of it at, at times. The pace seemed pretty deliberate, but it, was, it, it felt a little bit slower than, you know, the other few women's matches we saw. And, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know. There was something just a little off. And to make matters worse, I think a lot of stuff online, you look at the Twitter feeds and you look at, you know, the online reactions on Facebook, I think everybody was waiting for the moment when Becky Lynch or Ronda Rousey or even, God bless her heart, Charlotte was going to show up and make the challenge at the end for Rhea Ripley. But, no, Ripley delivers the Riptide, pins Asuka in another 14-minute match to capture the Raw Women's title. So you got yet another title change. If anything, the story of this entire show is the amount of title changes. My God, it was crazy. So how do you follow that up? Well, by God, you get Hulk Hogan and Titus walk out on the stage again. But out comes Bailey. Now this is one of the funniest things of the entire thing. Because they were doing a segment where Bailey is doing their obnoxious ding dong hello bit. So Bailey comes out and she's also held off the show. She's making a point to get on this show. Who comes out but the Bellas? Now the Bellas were supposed to be faces here, and their whole point is to dispatch Bailey. Beat poor Bailey up and get her out of here, and everybody goes home happy, right? Nope. This crowd was having none of it. They didn't like it. Well, you know what? They still like Titus. They were still cheering for Titus. They were booing Hogan's ass. The Bellas came out. They booed the Bellas. So Hulk Hogan and the Bellas have one thing in common is that the fans do not want them in the ring. They beat up Bailey. The crowd booed. The Bellas really didn't know what to do. And then Hogan and Titus danced with the Bellas and did their little spin move. And it was, oh, I couldn't wait to get this off my screen. Holy crap. You talk about some bad booking here. I think if th this should finish off the guest spot right here, because this was, you talk about poorly well-received, like really badly received stuff, this was terrible off the charts. And I mean, there was no good comments about it online, nowhere. I had nobody who gave it good feedback, so I think this was chalked up in the lost column for them. Main event time, baby. Roman Reigns, with Paul Heyman and Jey Uso, by the way took on Edge and Daniel Bryan for the WWE Universal Champion. 
Now, talk a little bit about this. So, you know, story of the match. You got the head of the table, Roman Reigns, who's running roughshod over everybody. You got Edge, who, uh, you know, who basically won the uh, won his chance at at the main event. Who was he going to challenge? Well, by God, he picked Roman Reigns. So Edge versus Roman Reigns was the original match for WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan weaseled his way on to become a controversial three-way here. Uh, Daniel Bryan wants that one more shot, you know, one more chance to bring the Yes Movement and to and to, you know, showcase that he's got you know another world title run in him. So Bryan comes out first. Then you got Edge who comes out to a surprisingly pretty damn big pop in all honesty, but you know. And then Reigns music hits, and of course the boos, which is exactly what you want. Roman Reigns is getting booed now, but it's because he's a bad guy. He's an actual heel, so he's getting the proper response. So this was one of the first times as well that they did the augmented reality stuff. So, I mean, you had the big dog, and you know, you had the yes movement. You had all this weird stuff happening here, but it kind of fits this whole thing. So Brian got, you know, started the show. Everybody was into what they were supposed to be into. So, you know, you got the yes chance going. You got all that type of stuff. You got all the, all the different stuff. So, you know, right at the bell, you got Brian hitting, uh, you know, uh, Reigns went right after Brian, hitting him with like a, a running forearm. Then you got Edge jumping at him. So, I mean, you got all these guys colliding all over the place. You got Jimmy Uso out there super kicking Edge on the outside. You got outside interference going all over the place. Edge attacking Reigns. I mean, just throwing him into the ring post. You know, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, then he gave Jay a faceplant to the steps, which was kind of cool. They actually had the medics come out and check on him, which was a, which was a fun spot there. Um, you know, Reigns is down at ringside, and then you got Edge and Brian battling it out in the ring. And these guys could deliver. I mean, these guys were back and forth as Reigns was taking some time out. And you got to see Brian with showing a little bit of fire here. And, you know, he, he's diving through the ropes at Reigns. And, you know, Reigns is catching him. And, you know, overhead suplexes. You got... You know, be, uh, Edge and Reigns do this big battle on the outside, and Reigns is hitting a clothesline, countering spears, Superman punching. You got it all going on here. So then you get the finish. So it's all over the place. So, you know, th they have chairs in the ring now. So you're battling over chairs. So you get Edge throwing Reigns, like, throat first on the top rope, just killing his ass there. Uh, you know, Reigns is grasping for breath, and then Edge applies a crossface in mid-ring. Are we going to get a tap out here? I, I honestly thought we might have. And Edge was using this piece of chair, and he had it like... It was like the little tiny thing that holds the chair together, and he had it jammed in Reigns' mouth, and he was prying back on it. And it, I honestly thought this was going to be the end. And then Daniel Bryan comes in and helps him out, and he actually applies the yes lock as well. So you got two guys. you got a bar in Roman Reigns' mouth, and they're delivering like a submission hold, and I honestly thought this was going to be the end of the match. You were going to get a double tap out. Who's your champion? We didn't know. Well, if there was any question, we're about to find out because you had Jimmy or Jey Uso lunge into the ring, distracts Edge, Edge spears Jay, bashes him across the back. Reigns got up, spears Edge completely out of his boots. But instead of going for the pin, get this. He grabs the chair. Now he's going to do, like, remember when Edge and Christian used to do the concerto? So you put your, you know, your head in the chair, and then you take another chair and you bash him over the head. Well, that's how he had Edge. So now he's got Edge prone in the ring. He's got Edge's head jammed in the chair. He's lifting the chair. He's ready to finish him off. They take out Brian, 
and he picks up Edge, drags him on top of Brian. Now both guys' shoulders are on the mat, so he's he's flat back on top of Brian. He stacks them up and pins both of the guys in 17 minutes to end the show as Universal Champion. I could not believe it. One thing I'll say, the fan, they did get the fans into this one. So, you know, crowd reaction, one of the better matches of the, um, you know, of, of both shows, to be fair. So, you know, uh, Edge was just, you know, he was over. So you can talk about old man Edge, you can talk about all you want. All guys delivered in this one. But that ending is going to be the story of the night here. But I think it's going to further a storyline. So whoever they've got in mind um, to finally put away Roman Reigns, you know, this is just another moment, we'll say. So this is a piece of footage that, you know, they're going to show, you know, Reigns is dominant as champion. Who's going to beat the guy? So this is all tailored to build a moment. And it seems a little bit of a lost push. You know, I honestly thought Edge somehow was going to walk away with that championship, and it didn't happen. I even thought that Brian had a chance because it was a three-way. You know, you could always have Reigns lose the belt and not have to drop it via pinfall. I don't know where they're headed with this, but boy, was that hard to watch. <laughs> oh, man. But it, it was shocking. It was fun. So, you know, the main event did deliver. Uh, it didn't send the fans home happy. You know, Hogan did not get the pose. <laughs> Literally. I'm glad he didn't get the pose, by the way. So, wow, you end WrestleMania night two on a downer which is, you know, almost symbolic of the entire night as well because, I mean, this one was a, a mixed bag of tricks. Night one, you felt this emotional high. Yes, wrestling is back, and I'm invested, and they're doing it all for me, and this is great. Night two, it seems like he got kicked in the balls. Like, it just felt like, oh, my, we're, we're going to, you know, we ain't going to give you exactly what you want, intentionally so. And, I mean, even the matches that delivered like, uh, you know, the expected finishes, similar to, you know, Rhea Ripley. I don't think there was any question in my mind she was going to win that belt. But who expected her to be sloppy in the ring? Who expected to deliver a slow, prodding match and have, you know, the music just drain the crowd's energy? Nobody could have predicted that stuff. And that was sort of the tale of this particular night. You had host segments with Hogan and Titus, which murdered, you know, just valuable minutes of this stuff. So that was WrestleMania. Two nights, a night of almost near great perfect action, and then a mixed bag. So, you know, it was a mixed feeling. So let me tell you, let's put this thing together. Let's talk about a score for this show. Where, where does it stand? Where does it sit? Oh, boy, this is going to be a tough one. I'm actually going to give the event a thumbs up. I am probably going to score the thing about a 7. Now, you might say, ah, oh, it's a little bit too high or a little bit too low, depending on where you are. I think seven is a respectable number. You know, it's it's uh, it's definitely showcases there was a lot of weaknesses on this show, but the seven indicates that we did have some very, very strong points. So, I mean, you know, you got Hurt Business. You got Bobby Lashley walking away with a just a career win over Drew. I mean, you talk about that. You had Cesaro elevated. Uh, you had all kinds of, you know, the women's tag team uh, championship changing hand. You had Bianca Belair crowned as the new new champion over Sasha Banks. Uh, just a lot to talk about here. You had Bad Bunny. All this stuff. Just tons and tons and tons of moments. And I think based on that alone, they're going to get a seven because this was a mania. Two nights of mania. 
filled with what you'd like to call moments. So when it comes to the highlight reel, this thing is going to look like an absolutely signature show to watch. And it wasn't bad. And maybe, you know, in a few years I'll look back and think that this thing is, you know, absolutely fantastic and one of the best shows ever and fond memories, but not really sure if fans are going to feel the same. But time will tell the tale. Maybe this will be one of those ones that you remember just as fondly as WrestleMania 6 or 3 or or 18 or you know will will this be the Hogan and Rock to some kid in the I, I have no idea anyway that's it for me that's my coverage of Wrestlemania nights one and two sad I couldn't join the podsman I know that they you're missing their wit and charm and our regular uh, barbaric tearing down of the show and a little bit more of a straightforward coverage here by by myself but I wanted to definitely add my thoughts to this one big thanks to Mark and Chris for for holding the bag while I was stuck in a boardroom at work and I just want to say a big thanks to all the folks who took your time to hang out with me here on this uh, alternate version of uh, TV Party Tonight, the Bailey Cut, we'll call it. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll stretch this thing and we'll, uh, we'll even add uh, Chris and Mark's version of the show right after this one's over. So you get the entire, entire piece put together in one particular show, which is also, like Chris mentioned on their show, the way that they should broadcast this particular WrestleMania is is all in one show so if you go onto the network this should be just one no night one and two for continuity purposes stick it all together wwe package this under one bundle and way to go there you go that's it for me i'm chris bailey if you want to find me you'll find me on twitter at charlton underscore hero you can find me there you can find me over here on tv party tonight with mark radlich and chris sheehan we are the podsman and we do all kinds of wrestling coverage myself and mark also cover uh, the AEW pay-per-views and some Impact stuff as well. So if you're into all things wrestling, by all means, find us here. Chat with us over on the Twitter. You know, we're we're pretty responsive. So if you hit us up, we, we're definitely going to, you know, echo your comments and have, have some conversation and get some discourse going there. So big thank you for joining us as well. We've got Superblog Team Up coming up uh, next month. So that's going to be fun. We're going to be doing The Doctor is in the House. We're covering Doctor's all across TV, movies, comic books, you name it. It's going to be a little fun one. So if, you got, if you're a Doctor Who fan or even a Doctor Doolittle fan, there you go, Mark. That's for you. That is for you. So I tell you what, that's me. That's Chris Bailey as well. Don't forget to check out some of our sponsors. So one of our sponsors here is Amazon Music. And if you're into Amazon Music and you're looking for that particular playlist, I'm telling you what, if you sign up with, uh, with us over here and you can get the code right off Mark at the end of this, um, if you sign up, you actually get a couple, uh, you know, a few weeks free of Amazon Music. And you can enjoy all your favorite playlists. Uh, if there's anything uh, that you enjoy music-wise, you can find it there on Amazon Music. And if it's not there, it's not fit to listen to anyway. So there you go. That's my dirty plug for Amazon Music. You're welcome. And i got to check to see if Pile Driver's on there. I want to hear Girls and Cars to get out of here. So there you go. I'm Chris Bailey. I'm done yakking. That's WrestleMania Nights 1 and 2. I'm from the Podsman proudly. You guys have a good evening. Take care. Spike your hair.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.